All right, welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. Today is November the 20th, 2014, and my name is Mr. Bond. Hope everybody's having a, uh, a good cold winter season so far. It's a uh, yow, but it's almost Thanksgiving, you know. We're going to have some things to give thanks for. Hope everybody gets to, you know their fill of turkey and pumpkin pie and all the, all the goodies. Um, but, you know, before we give thanks, let's um, give some congratulations to uh, Mr. Shane Van Boning. He went over to the uh, World Pool Masters and uh, did a fine job of uh, taking home the trophy. So congrats to Shane for that. I think this was an excellent uh, sort of a build-up to the Moscone Cup. You know, a confidence builder, I guess, is what that would be. Um, and, you know, the uh, the boys on the team are going to be down in southern Illinois near St. Louis doing a uh, an exhibition match of, of, of sorts at uh, Big Sticks, I believe it is, in Brees, Illinois. So uh, check into that if you're in the area. That's going to be a blast. Uh, and it should be, uh, again, a, another good round of practice for these guys to get them psyched up for the big game. So support them any way you can. They really deserve it. Uh, what else is going on in the news? Oh, well, the the juniors are done in China. Uh, unfortunately, uh, our uh, our kids were not able to bring home any <laughs> anything. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's all right. got to show up to win. You know, so uh, congrats to, uh, geez, man, uh, to all the participants. I think that would have been a, a um, really exciting experience for them to have over there. Um, a tough competition, though. They take billiards very serious in China, and uh, from the looks of the results, it shows. Uh, they had several of the top finishers, and uh, yeah, but... We talked to Karen Core about it, and she said that they had a blast. And uh, the school that they got to compete in apparently was very impressive. Um, I don't know if you listened to the interview with Ian Anderson the other day, but he went into some detail about uh, the facilities. It sounds like a really impressive place uh, to participate to compete and play, and especially to go to school. So that's good for the juniors, man. That's how you build champions. Is Get them out there in the uh, in the competition with the big boys. So, uh, what else is going on? You know, um, this is going to be a little bit of a short show this week um, because we did obviously two other um, special reports earlier this week. Um, there has been a a conflict, so to speak, between uh, the World Pool and Billiard Association and Dragon Promotions. And so, you know, I'm not even going to go into it. I think enough has been said uh, between the two parties. I think it would be best at this point if I just left it alone and uh, let the chips fall where they may, so to speak. I hope that it gets worked out uh, for the sake of the players and for the sake of the event itself. Uh, I will just leave it at that. Um, today, we're going to be talking with... A, uh, an interesting young man uh, that uh, just had an astounding run uh, out in Brooklyn, Mr. Thomas Rice. He is uh, only 15 years old, and he participated in the uh, the Gotham City Classic uh, this past week, 
and went undefeated. So our Allison Fisher uh, pulled them aside and got to talk to him for a couple minutes about that. I think that's an exciting thing that he was able to to beat out, what was it, about 64 entrants, I think. And uh, yeah, I mean, what a showing, 15-year-old. So keep your eyes on this kid, you know. You never know where uh, where some of these monster players come from, and this might just be one of them. Um, also, we're going to hear from... Um, Allison also spoke to Mr. Phil Capel. He's an author and an instructor and uh, has come out with a new book, Play Your Best 9 and 10 Ball. So that'll be interesting to get some of uh, his insight on that. So stick around and we'll be right back after your one-minute pool instructor. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. I'm Randy G. And welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. So what we got this week, Scott? This week we're going to discuss thought-free pool, the final frontier. Oh, man. So yeah. so uh, what's, uh, what is thought-free pool? What's, what is the, that final thing we want to think about? It's a, is it the game? or I think it's just maybe one shot. Yeah, it could, uh, yeah it's one shot. Our, our whole job is to be thought-free for one shot. Of well, you course. can't think and do. Well, Yogi, what? You can't think <laughs> and do at the same time. So here, here's how I, I'm going to put it to, to our audience. Um, simply put, autopilot is a, a mental process. So what's autopilot, Scott? Well, it means that you have your template and your process ingrained to the point where you can do it without thinking. A routine. A routine. All right. A repeatable routine. All right. So a mental process is a routine that allows your mind to become free of conscious thought during your stroke. It is this simple process that allows your body to perform the stroke without interference from your brain. So the last thing we want, the final frontier, is to have everything as a habit in that our brain, our analytical side of the brain, never interferes with a stroking mechanism. All right? Now, when you develop the consistency of your stroke mechanics on the practice table, then autopilot would take you to the game table. Once you can stroke thought-free, you will have the ability to be on automatic pilot for those few short critical seconds that, Scott, it starts in for us, push it up, ends in my finished position, I start thinking about my next shot, and then I go back thought-free. So I sure like that. It, the final frontier in making a putt or swinging a golf club in making a pool shot is, please don't think about what we're doing. Got to think standing up. Don't yeah, think down on the table. Yeah, we think standing and, and we shoot bent over. That's exactly right. Um, this is Randy G. And this is Scott Lee. And your final frontier is automatic pilot, thought-free pool. And this has been the One Minute Pool Instructor.
Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Pool on the Grind here on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. I'm here at Gotham City Billiards in Brooklyn, New York, joined by the first ever Gotham City Billiard Nine Ball Champion, Gotham City Classic, Thomas Rice. Congratulations, Thomas, first and foremost. Thank you. So this is a two-day event, and it's a full field, 64 players, and Gotham really is your homeroom, and how long have you been playing here at Gotham? Uh, three years. Okay, very cool. And you're what age now? I'm going to be 16 in February, so 15. It's a very impressive accomplishment, especially up against some of the best amateurs and really a lot of players that are considered semi-pro. So that's a tremendous accomplishment. How do you feel overall right now? I feel awesome. I mean, it's my first ever tournament, big tournament win. Um, having won a tournament like this. It, I knew going into the field it was going to be hard, but I just stuck to it and I played my best pool I've ever played. And it's an amazing feeling winning this tournament and having everybody clap. Never seen that. That's tremendous. What do you feel like were some of the toughest points of the tournament for you? What do you What do you feel like were some points where you really had to dig deep? Um, playing Miguel Leboy. Um, mentally wise, I mean, he's a great shooter, but he takes me out of my rhythm because he slows his game down. So that was a really tough match to grind, but I grinded it out. Um, because usually when I play him, I, I usually lose to him. But this time I had a different uh, mind frame when I played him. So I had a feeling I was going to beat him, but it was still a tough match. That was one of the toughest matches of the tournament. Which, uh, which day was that match on? Uh, day one. And going into day two, how did you feel? What do you, how was your approach to uh, staying mentally tough? Um, I just had to focus, really. Take my time on my shots. Don't one-stroke the ball. And just really, just yeah, really focus. So now, what is your rating on the tour currently? A B. You're a B. And how quickly did you move from your previous level? I remember you were a, a, a C, C, really, in the Yeah, and I went to year. a C plus in three months. Then I went from a C plus to a B in two months. So you're rated a B on both the Predator and the Tri-State Tour, correct? No, in the Predator, I'm a B plus. You're a B plus on the Predator. Okay. What's uh, what's the next event coming up for you? The next event will probably be at Steinway next week. Are you playing in the Tri-State at Steinway? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and this event is for uh, listeners out there. This event is a part of the Tri-State Tour, which has been in the running in here in the New York area for many, many years. And you want to talk a little bit about your experience playing on the tour? Yeah, it's, um, it's made me a better player, playing better competition. And you really got to play good with these guys because these guys don't miss. These, these all are killers in the tournament. So it really shaped my game to make me focus and also have fun. Because if you're not having fun, you're not going to play good pool. So I had fun also playing with them. So that's really, the, they helped my game a lot by focusing mental-wise, playing these guys. So, yeah. Are there any particular players that you feel are, have been you know, influential to you? On the, the Tri-State? On the Tri-State or on the Predator, either way, um, or just Coca, in general? Coca, um, Davladzi, I played with him a, I played with him a lot here in Gotham, on table one, the 10-foot table. And then there's, the, there's this house player here, Nick, old man Nick, we call him. He helped me tremendously since day one. 
he's helped me play ever um, since to this day. He's helped me every single day, and I play almost every single day with him. That's wonderful. And how did you meet Nick? Um, so I walked in the pool hall. So I was this loudmouth kid, but he came over to me and was talking to me about how I can't do that, how people here are going to get annoyed. So and ever since then, we became friends, and he's helped my game tremendously. Every, um, we talk every day, we play every day, and then Coca comes here and we play, all three of us play. So you consider uh, him to be like a mentor to yes. you? Yeah. And how would you how would you say that New York and pool in general, New York pool specifically, is uh, unique? Or what do you what do you feel like your general like uh, you want to get out and tell people about? That everybody knows everybody, and that everybody's friends in the tournament. Right. There's like no enemies there, but when you're playing them, that's when you want to beat them. But everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody's uh, really supportive, correct? Yeah. yeah. How did you feel going into the final match? You played your final match against Scott Simonetti, who uh, is a veteran player here in the tri-state area from New Jersey, and somebody that everybody uh, really loves having around, and he's you know, very accomplished and uh, runs events out of Castle Billiards. Talk a little bit about the final. Um, it, I was nervous going into the match. Yeah. Um, I saw the way he was shooting. He really wasn't missing in the match, in the match before that. So I said to myself, this is going to be a tough match, but I just got to play the way I've been playing and don't let that affect me. And so when I was playing, I really felt myself getting into a rhythm, and I said to myself, I got this one. But you can't have this one until the last nine ball sunk. So when I sunk that nine ball, it was a great feeling beating him. And who are the people that you had here supporting you today, following you in the tournament? Um, Kevin and Isabel, the owners of here, are great. Mm -hmm. um, they support me. They watch my match. They tell me what I'm doing wrong. That's good. Old man Nick, um, my dad and my sister, they're always here for me. And they're always supporting me also. Um, and everybody pretty much that was here was supporting me in the match. There are a lot of players here that stayed and watched through the final, which is really great to see. Anything else you want to talk about or mention? No, I'm just happy that I won this tournament. First ever Nine Ball City Classic for Gotham City Billiards Club. Happy I won this one. Hope I can do it again next year. All right. Well, congratulations, Thomas. It's really an awesome accomplishment and really shows a lot of the support and general interest that Pool, uh, Pool is showing in New York. And so I, I credit you and I credit everyone else that has uh, has been supportive of this event and particularly Kevin and Isabel Buckley for you know putting on uh, and adding a tremendous amount of money to the event it was a $4000 added tournament and it paid out 2500 for first place so for uh, NYC grind and American Billiard Radio I'm Allison Fisher and thanks everybody for tuning in Welcome to another edition of the Go Play Pool app featured room here on American Billiard Radio. 
today I'm going down south and talking to Frank Haynes down at Lake Q in, uh, how do I say it, Chalmette? Chalmette, Chalmette, Louisiana. All right, Chalmette, Louisiana. <laughs> How you doing, Frank? <laughs> real good, real good. We're about, uh, we're about 15 minutes from downtown New Orleans, on the east awesome. side of New Orleans. Awesome. Nice. So, uh, so did, you, did you guys uh, get hit by that mega storm? <laughs> yeah, the Katrina. Yeah. Yeah, Katrina. It was the uh, it was the most devastated parish in, in this. We call them parishes. You call them counties. Where right. you're from, the rest of the rest of the country it was the uh, most devastated parish in the state in Katrina. It was uh, yeah. the building that I'm standing in right now, the Lacey's Q, was uh, eight had eight feet of water in it. Oh my lord! Yeah. Wow. So it was. Uh, it probably lost the community. Probably, well, they lost at least fifty percent of their uh, of their uh, population. They moved out and didn't come back. It's starting to rebuild. It's back back to probably close to forty, uh, forty or fifty percent back. You know, but it's it's coming back slow but sure. Right. Do, do you think that? Uh, do you think that that's had an effect on on uh, you know pool in in that area? No, because pool in the New Orleans area is still, they have so many bars in New Orleans, it's still a, it's still a, 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 a big game. I, I, that's not the right way to say it, but it's still popular in right. this area. There's so many bars in the New Orleans area because we have most of the uh, parishes are 24-hour alcohol. Right. So they've always, traditionally New Orleans had a history of a lot of bars, and it does, and it has, every one of them's got a pool table or more, one or more pool tables in it. Right. Uh, I think pool has is, is, is suffered a lot down here on the, on the, uh, on the professional level. You know, the nine foot tables and the serious players, the, the one pockets and the, and the nine balls and ten ball players, it's, it's more a ballroom pool, you know, bar right. table pool. Yeah, I think it's, I think it suffered a lot of that. Not because Katrina, I just think it's uh, that just the uh, like we were talking earlier, the history of pool is just on mm-hmm. the decline. Yeah, the more serious players, ebb and flow. I think goes up and down for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, so so why don't you tell everybody what you got going on in there? I know you have some really good tournaments and stuff where you add money and take care of everybody. So why don't you let everybody know about that? Well, we first of all we could we 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 have the ability to be 24 hours uh, if if we want it. Right now we have uh, four tournaments a week. We add 100 every Monday for an eight ball tournament. We add 500 every Thursday for a uh, nine ball open, and then we add 100 every Friday for a nine ball open with a free entry fee. That's and then okay, we add. So explain this free entry fee thing to me. How does this work? All right, nine ball. I put up a hundred dollars, or the house puts up. Lacey's Q puts up a hundred dollars, uh-huh. and there's no entry fee. And then they have a Calcutta, and they okay. auction a player. They have an auction, and so it gets up for four hundred. And it's a one game on the loser side, and one game on the winner side. All it is is just a little. Uh, uh, campaign to get the people out on Friday nights a little earlier. You come out for the 7 o'clock tournament. It doesn't cost you anything. And if you buy yourself in the Calcutta, you might make 200 250 or some nights, 300 first place because they then buy each other. And I don't know if you can have auctions where you're from, Mary, but or Calcutta as we call them down here. 
And then every first Saturday of the month, I add 2,000 to a nine ball open on the bar tables. You know, so we we add a lot of we add a lot of money to the uh, to the tournaments four days a week down here. And of course, we have a nice facility. We have all diamond tables, mm-hmm. uh, 33 of them. We have 17, um, yeah, 17 of the seven foot tables, and the rest of them are the nine foot tables. Uh, we're probably the first, maybe only, non-smoking pool room in this area. Uh, so that's one of the plus features about it for a lot of the ladies in particular. Definitely, yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I'm a I'm a smoker, and I would still prefer to play in a room that's not smoking because you know you get that smoke in your eyes when you're trying to shoot. You can't even keep your eyes open. <laughs> well, it just <laughs> yeah, and it, and it just uh, look. Even though, like you say, you you smoke, all all, all the science is out. Smoking's bad for you, bad, and it's bad for the people standing around you. So, but we have, but we have, uh, we have a uh, smoking area where they go behind a, a door. They got a smoking area, or they go out on the front and smoke. And we don't have any problem with it. Even the smokers say, "Oh man, thank you so much." Right. You know. Oh, sure. So. Uh, yeah, that's cool. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so do you guys, uh, you guys have any other games or anything going on in there, or? We have all the darts. We have the steel tips and the uh, new electronic darts. We have all, all of those. I think we have five of the uh, five or six of the uh, steel tip boards, and we have three of the electronic dart boards. Uh, we're building a restaurant in the front. It'll be about a three thousand square foot restaurant. We have a billiard supply where we handle Conley tables, and of course, all the other billiard paraphernalia, your cue sticks, your and a small repair shop. Which uh, Steve Laney is our repair, our Q repair guy. So uh, nice. we got the repair shop. We got the the thirty uh, something table pool room. We have a full service alcohol bar, and behind that we have a deli that opens up in the evenings. Uh-huh. Right now, until we until we get the full restaurant built, we real good. All of our food is fresh made on location here. Nothing's prepackaged or nice. pre bought. You know, so. We have a lot of parking, well lit. <laughs> we're twenty like we're, really or, we're twenty five minutes from uh, from Slidell. We're fifteen minutes from downtown, twelve or fifteen minutes from downtown New Orleans. Uh, from where the other side of town, uh, the parish, uh, Jefferson Parish, we're probably thirty five minutes. So, you know, oh, like, yeah, so we're about, five, we're about five minutes. We're about five minutes from the French quarters that want to want to go party. <laughs> Well, if you, so if if you're in Louisiana, you have no reason to not go to Lacey's Q and go hang out and get taken care of by Frank and everybody down there. So yeah, we have we have a nice facility. It's, like I say, it's non-smoking. It's brand new. We have uh, two hotels that are within shoot within a mile of here. One of them is relatively new, and then you got you're like twelve or fifteen minutes from the French Quarter. If you want to go that way, where they have all the hotels and they got Bourbon Street and right. everything, you want. it's it's really a, a really a neat area. I yeah we we got it we got to go to Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. I like it a lot. Look, it's a great place to visit this time of year. With, we, we're well, like everybody, we're a little bit cold right now, but mm-hmm. but this time of year we usually have real good weather because it's uh, it's not as much rain and it's and it's a lot right. drier. A cold snap from this front that came through, affecting everybody. But yes. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like it sounds like you uh, 
you know, your room is big enough that, you know, people can have parties and stuff like that. Do you guys cater to, oh, to doing that? Oh, yeah. We did a, we did a law enforcement uh, uh, benefit. A regional law enforcement had the head of the FBI, uh, the head of Crime Stoppers, and the local sheriff, um, Mr. Pullman, put this on. There was a... Uh-huh. Uh, there was 76 uh, different uh, law enforcement people here from any place from deputies to two or three of the sheriffs from the surrounding communities. The head of the FBI, Mike Anderson, they had a 76-man tournament, and it was put on mainly by crime stoppers uh-huh. to get the law enforcement people to uh, network. You know, a deputy from Orleans Parish might be playing with a, a sheriff from uh, Jefferson Parish. Uh-huh. Uh, or it might be playing with a, it might be playing with a CIA guy or an FBI guy. We nobody. It wasn't department against department. It was it, we we do we do a random drawing and put like I say deputies, street deputies or patrol uh-huh. deputies with uh, the higher echelon. It was a real success. We've had uh, the United Steel Union over here at the. Uh, we have two refineries in Shell Metal uh, and. Uh, the steel union had a big event, 400 pounds of shrimp and 150 oh, wow. people. We cater to the shrimp, uh, the barbecues, or whatever the people want also. We've had about a half a dozen of those. We've hosted the local league, uh, APA league, which is about 3,000 members, for their city cup about, I think, six times, four or six times. So, yeah, we can handle we can handle 1,000-person crowd. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, so yeah, you got a lot of a lot of options going on, and and you definitely can't beat the fact that you have thirty three diamond tables. I mean, that's that's yeah. I've, I've never heard of a room having that many diamond tables before. That's awesome. Yeah, it might have been a little crazy, but there's a table here for everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Greg Sullivan was down here a couple of months ago, and uh, because we did buy a lot of tables from him, real nice guy. I don't know if you know Greg or not, but uh, he he's gonna he said but he's gonna help us do some events. Mm-hmm. After he does his uh, Derby City Open this year, right, right. sometime next year he's going to help us do some because they need some big events in this area, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and so he just felt like it was the right place. And plus, we have the room, we have the ability to do it with this many tables. Right. Well, and and it, it, you know, it, it sounds like you know your amenities and and the way that uh, you know you're handling everything, especially. Especially being non-smoking. I mean, you can't beat that. That's that's a, that's a huge thing. Especially you know when you're in an area that's surrounded by places that do allow it, it and to to uh, have a clean place where you know everybody's welcome. That's 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 awesome. Well, we get guys that bring their wives now and their girlfriends, or the, and in particular wives, they wouldn't bring them because of the smoke. They want, the women wouldn't come. Yeah. You know, I'm talking yeah. about from eight, eighteen to eighty. You know, you got seventy-year-old guys out there that are watching the big pool matches, and their and their seventy-year-old wife is there with them because it's clean and it's non-smoking. And of course, uh, I don't, we don't allow any of the riffraff either. Yeah, you know. well, that's good. <laughs> no, no loitering in the parking lot or any of that stuff either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Frank. Well, <clears throat> is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners? Uh, no. Like I said, we just have like four tournaments a week. We do have in in, in, in February, right, first part of February, we're going to have our Mardi Gras Open tournament. It'll be two weeks before Mardi Gras, which uh-huh. is a good reason to come down here for the tournament and stick around and see uh, Mardi Gras. Sure. It's early this year. It's in it's in uh, February this year, the middle of February. So the first week 
uh, uh, probably the first weekend in February, we'll have our Mardi Gras Open, which is another $1,000 added tournament. All right. And it's a good spot. Like I said, if you want to do if you if you're an action player, you can stay 24 hours. You can play 24 hours if you want. Right. Also, uh, pool for 24 hours. I think I would go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we have, and we have uh, look. We uh, we also have uh, uh, either a band or a DJ on Friday nights, which is which is a big plus. Everybody, a lot of people will come to the to the music where they're not necessarily interested in the uh, pool tables. Right. So we have the, the music on Friday nights also. All right, great. Well, if, if you're in the area, you definitely got to go to Lacey's queue. So, um, and for for all of our listeners, you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to find Lacey's queue's information on the Go Play Cool app. We're going to put a little profile up there for them, and uh, so you'll be able to get in touch with them. And you can go uh, to our Facebook, Mary. They can go to our Facebook, Lacey's queue, sure. or to our website also. Sure, why, why to get directions and information about tournaments of the directions to the place also. Awesome. Why don't why don't you real quick uh let everybody know where you're located and how they can get in touch with you? Uh we're at uh seven oh one West Judge Perez in Chalmette, Louisiana, and the uh uh five oh four area code six eight two six one nine nine is our Perfect. phone number. And all that information is on Lacey's Q uh website or wait, it'll be Lacey's Q Sports Bar on our website, and it'll be uh, Lacey's Q Facebook. And I post all the tournament winnings. They can go on there and I'll uh, on the website, and then I'll friend them, and right. they can follow our tournaments and whatever events we have. All right. That sounds good. Well, thank you, Frank, for getting on the phone with me and letting everybody know about Lacey's Q and all of your okay. awesome events that you're having. Well, I appreciate it. I'm sorry it took us so long to get together, but uh, no worries. We're, we're, we're hosting those uh, bigger events with Appleton and Danny. We're kind of uh, busy at that time, but I'm glad we got together. I, me too, me too, for sure. And uh, yeah, we will. I will talk to you soon. And thank you, everybody, for joining us for another Go Play Pool app featured room here on American Billiard Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Pool on the Grind here on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. I'm your host, Allison Fisher of NYCGrind.com, and I am very pleased to be joined this week by one of Pool's foremost authors and instructors, Phil Capel. How are you doing, Phil? Oh, doing great, Allison. Uh, happy to join you on American Billiard Radio for the first time, and I Recently, I was looking at a list of the guests that you've had on there, and I thought, wow, this is a long list of very uh, prominent people in billiards, uh, so I'm I'm happy to uh, join them. Well, we're happy to have you, and we're just about to round out our first year with the show, so it's uh, it's been really exciting to have some of the biggest names in pool, both on... Uh, the side of the players and the side of the industry leaders join us, and I certainly count you among 
that group of uh, that group of great leaders for pools. So we really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh well, thank you. And first of all, I know the big news on your end is that you have just released a new edition of your book, Play Your Best Nine Ball, and it's now including Ten Ball. You want to talk a little bit about the process of reissuing the book and, and what you did to uh, to bring Ten Ball into the game? Uh, certainly. Um, this was indeed a real labor of love as I, I spent uh, many days weeks uh, studying uh, AccuStats uh, videos and, and watching the world's greatest players play 10-ball and, and uh, stopping, rewinding, making notes, going through it over and over again and trying to, to select uh, the shots that I thought would be the most instructive and also have some entertainment value. So it was a real fun project, uh, very labor-intensive, but I enjoyed every minute of it. But the, the the impetus for this was Play Your Best Pool, the first edition, was published in 2001, and so it's been 13 years, and I figured it was about time for a facelift, so I, I went through the entire book, uh, the nine-ball version of it, and, and did a white edit and bolded the key phrases, and in all the diagrams, I added uh, grid lines. Uh, they make it easier to set up the shots for practice and and to get kind of a perspective of where the balls are on the table. So I did that and then cut out about 40 pages of the nine ball to make room for the ten ball, which that is, in this book, I call it book two, and it's uh, over 100 pages of ten ball. So uh, anyway, I, I um, since the first edition came out, uh, ten ball has really come into prominence, and um, so we also have a whole new breed of of uh, champion players that has come into prominence uh, since uh, I published Player Best Nine Ball. So I wanted to also include examples of them uh, in the book. Yeah, talk a little bit about how you feel like ten ball has changed things for the pro game. Well, I think 10-ball uh, uh, is just a, a natural evolution of the game. Uh, I love watching 9-ball, but 10-ball uh, has grown on me to the point where, I, for the pros at least, I prefer to uh, watch 10-ball because I, I think the, the patterns and the position play are a lot more intricate, and you have the opportunity, I think, to see uh, finer expressions of their ability to plan and execute high-level runouts. And also, I think that the uh, complexity of the layout, uh, the additional ball or two that you might have after the break, leads to some uh, exciting safeties as well and some real battles. And actually, the statistics do show that the uh, average 10-ball game lasts longer, by my figures, about 3.4 innings in 10-ball to about 3.0 in 9-ball. So you have a longer game and a little more strategic game than 9-ball. So I really enjoy uh, uh, watching the pros play this now. I think it just takes 9-ball and eliminates a little bit of the emphasis on the break and puts puts it back more into the playing of the game. 
Are there certain players that you featured in the 10-ball section? Uh, actually, there are. Uh, Shane Van Boyning, uh I have him in in 22 of the over 120 new diagrams. 22 feature him, and there's him playing 33 uh, shots. And then I also have a lot of examples from uh, Bustamante and uh, Ephraim Reyes and uh, Darren Appleton, Thorsten Holman. So I, in this new version of the book, I've got a lot of the new players, but uh, some of the holdovers from from the previous edition would include players like Johnny Archer and Rodney Morris, Earl Strickland, and um, Ralph Suquet. So and oh, Nikki Eminen. So I have have some crossover stars from the the previous edition that that I have them playing both nine and ten ball. So those are some of the big names that appear in the book, along with some of the others that are, I think are known to most fans. So yeah, it was uh, as I say, watching the uh, tapes and and doing the research on this was a lot of fun because I got to watch this caliber of players and see exactly what makes uh, their games tick. You know, what I always find find interesting is you know, thinking about the game from a new player's perspective. And what would you what would you recommend if a new player or someone that's new to following Copool, you know, if they're first starting to watch some of these matches and watch some of these high level players what would you recommend to them to watch for? Well, I think uh, actually what I've done with this book, uh, it has a spiral binding similar to my Capella's Practicing Pool. And the reason I did that is so you can lay the book flat on the table and set up the positions uh, more easily. So um, a lot of these uh, illustrations, 70 of them to be exact, uh, the, the player is asked to try to run the last four or five balls and, and actually perform a realistic runout that the pro uh, was able to do. So mm-hmm. I, I call these black cue ball runouts because the diagrams have a black cue ball. So uh, I think for a newer player, uh, one of the key things is to be able to run those final three, four, or five balls and actually be able to get out and win when it's their time to win versus the pros, as we know, are capable of running out from pretty much anywhere. Uh, I think a newer player, one of the key skills for them is just to learn the basic position routes and uh, start to build their game from there. And so I designed this so that uh, a player can sort of uh, pick up wherever their skill level is and try to practice uh, the runouts. And also I have a big chapter on position routes, too, so... Uh, I think practicing those things for a newer player is a, that has some skills at shooting uh, is a good place to start. That definitely seems to be one of the, the tougher aspects. I'm not sure if it's maybe there's more pressure involved in those last few, uh, you know, last few balls of the runout that you know, you're you're maybe not thinking as clearly if if you're feeling the pressure. Yeah, that's exactly true. As, as uh, 
is when you get to those last few balls. As a matter of fact, there was one player at Amsterdam Billiards that confided to me that was his big problem, and I so I devoted a, a column to on it in an issue of pool and billiards. But yeah, that is the challenge: is is getting to those last few balls and being able to keep your cool. But here's one thing that one way to look at it, and that is that the table is actually easier uh, when you get towards the end of the game because you have less obstacles. Uh, and, and you, so you can play your position routes of choice rather than being forced to avoid obstacles. And also, when you're getting to the to the game ball, you don't really need to play shape. You don't have you, all you have to do there is just make the ball and, and not scratch. So mm-hmm. the game ball is actually the should be the easiest shot you shoot. So uh, if a if a player aspiring player can can start to think this way and talk to you know, talk themselves into believing that the game is actually easier at the end, that might be one way to start it for them. It's really about just how you look at things, and, and that's what, that would be a start. That's a good way to look at it. I think uh, a lot of it is all about your mental perspective and how much you believe you can actually uh, execute. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's it really so much of the game is about building a belief system in the choices you make of the, your shots and then your ability to execute that shot. And once you're down over the ball, whatever your plan is, maybe your plan isn't perfect, but believe in that plan 100% uh, because you've chosen it and now it certainly doesn't help to sab- by sabotaging your efforts when you're over the ball and not believe in what you're doing. So. It's really a, a kind of a complex procedure, but basically you want to just be thinking pool as well as possible throughout the entire process of playing a shot, and that's what the professionals have mastered uh, from the moment they start planning a shot and surveying the table and looking around to their final decision, and then the way they go through their whole shooting routine. Everything is a very well-choreographed uh, process playing the shot and there's no room for for negative thoughts really they've all they've got they've squeezed out all the negative elements and it's all a positive process so amateurs need to to learn to do the same yeah that's absolutely true now and you did just mention Amsterdam billiards and for those who are listening who, who don't know uh, you do now live in New York now, how long have you been living in New York well, I moved back here in uh, February of 2011, and then I was gone for about a year, w- returned to California for sort of a research sabbatical and also uh, to take care of some health issues. But uh, I returned uh, right about the start of the expo this year. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we had the joining booths there, as you, you may recall. Yes, we did. We absolutely did. I do remember that. Yeah, and uh, that was that was fun. I, I don't think I ever saw you leave the laptop. <laughs> no, I was I was pretty much uh, busy around the clock there at the expo. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's when I returned uh, to New York, and so I've been here uh, ever since. And so uh, I'm really uh, after spending so much time re- redoing this book and also some other research. I'm I've been involved in a project now for about three years. But now I'm starting to get out a little bit and and reacquaint myself with the local pool culture, and I'm 
I'm happy to see it, that it is so vibrant and there's so many uh, high-quality uh, billiard rooms and owners that are doing things to make the uh, to help the sport grow. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about you know your perspective on some of these different rooms and what you think they're doing right. Well, uh, I would I guess I would start with Amsterdam. Uh, Greg Hunt was uh, kind enough to to make that his room available to me uh, for teaching and and practice uh, as I wish and. And he, as everyone knows, has been a leader in in leagues. I think they have leagues there about six uh, days or nights a, a week, and plus he holds qualifiers and, and other events. So uh, it's been a pleasure to to know Greg, and, and I appreciate his uh, support for what I've been doing. Um, most recently, uh, this last weekend, I went out to Gotham City Billiards and had a, a great time out there. I, I signed some of my new books and uh, met with Kevin and uh, Isabel Buckley, and they're just uh, two of the, the nicest people you could imagine. And Absolutely. They, oh, they're tremendous, and they were holding a um, a big event this weekend that was amazingly won by a 15-year-old, I think a regular in their room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Isabel, I'll give her a little plug here, uh, I had her beat Baked ziti and meatballs. Oh my gosh, that's to, that food's to die for. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, and of course I saw you and Jerry there. He is relentless with his camera uh, filming, and you on your keyboard. So it was neat to see you guys out there uh, covering things. It seems like everywhere I go, there you guys are. <laughs> we but, try to um, be. Yeah. Oh, you guys are doing a great job. Um, Let's see, Steinway Billiards, I, I spent several days out there uh, watching the 14-1 championship, uh, and it was a lot of fun because a, a college friend of mine uh, came out to, to watch the tournament, and he hopes to play in it next year. Matter of fact, uh, he's uh, Danny Brody's sparring partner now that Danny's moved out to uh, California. So anyway, uh, Manny, I, I hope I get this right, Stamatkus, Right, yeah, Stamaticus. Stamaticus. I met him, and, uh, of course, everybody knows that Steinway is is perhaps the leader in holding uh, uh, big-name events in the New York area, but I think what he does is just tremendous also for the sport. Uh, the last room where I spent some time and, and had a lot of fun watching the top players in the world was uh, out at Sandcastle, which hosts the... AccuStats Make It Happen events, and Ed Ladawi, we had quite a uh, a nice long talk out there, and he is just as gung-ho as anybody could be for, towards growing the sport. Uh, but uh, he has made his room uh, open to AccuStats and, and Pat Fleming in his series of Make It Happen events. So I had a lot of fun watching uh, Darren Appleton as he won that, and Shane was playing, and Thorsten Holman, and let's see, one other. Oh, my gosh. Um, Alex. Pardon me? Alex. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, so that was a that was a lot of uh, fun to go out there. And, oh, Kulo, that's it. Dennis Rekulo. Oh, my gosh. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so those are the four rooms that I've had some recent experience uh, uh, with in visiting uh, since I've been back in New York, and I, I know there's others that are also uh, supporting the game. So I, I think of New York City and the surrounding area as the capital of pool in the United States and a good model for what I would like to see happening throughout the country. Uh, so I think that a lot of the owners are really behind the game and doing some good things, and I'd like to see this happen everywhere. Yeah, I do think it's interesting because each room, like you mentioned, kind of has a different angle where they're not doing exactly the same things, and that way they're not really stepping on uh, one another's toes, and I know that the tours in the areas are very conscientious about not uh, not scheduling conflicting events and so on and so forth. So I think there's a lot of cooperation and overall um, good, you know, good efforts from both the both the players and and the promoters in general. In well, I, I I would agree, and I, I see that cooperation, and I think it's great. One one example of that is when the the tours come together and and hold the uh, uh, George Dinky Sansushi Memorial, which right. which uh, Tony Robles, uh, Predator Tour, he founded it. But but uh, Todd Fleetman and John Lehman of the Tri-State Tour uh, are also there, and I believe there's one other tour. Yes, uh, uh, the Nice Tour. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they all come together, in a, and it's a great spirit of cooperation. Uh, and that's an event that's really uh, grown wings in the last few years. So, um, yeah, I think there is a lot of cooperation uh, between the uh, the various uh, promoters and owners. In fact, when I went out to watch the 14-1 uh, tournament one night, Greg Hunt was there supporting the event, and we had a nice talk while while Tony, his player, uh, you know, his house pro, was on the table in the midst of a match. So mm-hmm. um, he was there to uh, lend his support. And uh, so, I, yeah, I do sense that. Uh, there's some, there, sure, there's some competition, but there's also a lot of camaraderie. And so um, I think it's a, it's a big plus, and I, and I, I think it's something we can, uh, we can certainly build on. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if people focus on, what things are going right and not focus their energy on the negative aspects, which I think are, are relatively minimal, that you know, I think that the things will continue to progress. And I know yeah, you mentioned yeah. the, the AccuStats event, and what I, what I think is one of the great things that you're doing is some of your online reporting through Facebook, which you had posts from pretty much every session that I could tell from that entire event. Uh, if I was uh, at home watching the uh, stream, uh, I love watching 8-Ball, and and on the big table, the pros, it's, uh, well, sure there's a lot of runouts, but, but the way they do it, uh, I was talking with Pat uh, after the event about 8-Ball, and, and we both agreed that it may be counterintuitive to some, but there's a lot of great shot making. It's not just all precision, position, and patterns, although there is a lot of that, but 
mixed in are, is some amazing shot making because I think they feel the pressure to uh, try to run out and, and not get in a, in a safety battle. So anyway, I was uh, totally uh, wrapped up in watching the event, and and once each match was done, I, uh, since I'm right there on my computer, I just uh, decided to type some thoughts about it, and and so it sort of just grew into a thing where, like with the U.S. Open, I just decided to uh, cover it. Uh, there's, and then it was kind of cool to see the your name appear here and there, and and you were you were taking some of the the uh, coverage and and putting it on the uh, NYC grind. And I thought that was neat. Um, and maybe this this could be the start of something. So. Yeah, we definitely really appreciate your insight, and even even for me, I'm as much as I've been around the game. I love reading your insight, and I think you always have another level of uh, another level of perspective to add to it. So I know people really appreciate that. Well, I I, pre- I thank you for your comment, and, and since you opened the door there, well, I will get one other little plug in for the book. And you'd asked earlier about the um, you know the newer player and how they might uh, use it. I also wanted to say for the experienced player that the ten ball uh, part of the book is really uh, besides the practicing for the for everyone the runouts is the thinking that goes into playing ten ball and uh, each of the descriptions of the of the uh, games and the shots that I chose. I was trying to show the kind of thinking and the detail that goes into playing the shots the way a pro would, how they select them, how they plan their their routes, the challenges they have. So anyway, I was just trying to add a lot of, as you say, insight into the thinking that goes into playing higher-level uh, ten ball and thinking that also can be applied to nine ball as well. Awesome. Yeah, I know that that's, that's really what, you know, what makes a difference in in anyone's game comparing the pros to the amateurs is that they have a, a higher level of, of process of planning and understanding uh, how to how to um how to get from point A to point B. Uh, exactly. They uh, their games have gone so far beyond uh, uh, just the basics and the the aiming and stroking, whatever, they're, they're to the point where they can actually play some pool. And so I, I see such an emphasis on, uh, on fundamentals, which, is, which of course, you have, to, you have to master those, but it seems like there's so much uh, on that and aiming or whatever that the players never get to the point where, where they can then uh, get past that and actually start playing pool. And uh, that's what the pros managed to do. They... They, uh, the aiming, the making, the making the balls, uh, so many things have become second nature to them, and now they can concentrate on, on playing the game and all the little nuances that go into higher level pool. So that's that's the kind of things I, I enjoy looking for and seeing what I, I might find when I'm examining their their uh, play and the tapes, and then trying to create the uh, descriptions that go with the various examples in the book. Now, we're almost wrapping up the year 2014. Is there anything in particular that stands out to you for uh, highlights for the year? 
Well, the, the highlight for the year to me, uh, I'll, I'll sum it up in the name of one one player, Shane Van Boyne. Um, he's he just, as we know, uh, won the World Pool Masters, and um, people were were wondering if he was going to win internationally, and he answered that question. And then his play in the U.S. Open, uh, particularly the last couple matches some of the best uh, nine ball I've ever seen. I think in the last uh, match he shot a 9.53 in the Akistats rating and and uh, after Orkulo opened with a 4-1 to one lead, uh, Chain uh, just kicked it up into his highest gear and just played great. So to me, his overall uh, dominance of pool in 2014 is the story as far as I can see, and I'll be interested to see if he counts his year with with perhaps some kind of uh, performance in the Moscone Cup that might uh, uh, spur our guys on, and maybe we can uh, pull what pull off what many people would think would be an upset. So he he's a you know pool with so many uh, international players of prominence. Uh, it's good to see that. Uh, in American pool, we have somebody that play, plays like he does and is also such a fine representative of the sport. So, to me, he's kind of the story of the year. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I, mean, I think watching the U.S. Open and for me being there in person, it was really electrifying to, you know, to watch his performance in the final and both him and Dennis Arcoyo played at such a high level and and really, like you said, he's he's really the example. He's really the top uh, top player to look towards as as far as professionalism goes. Yes, I agree. And uh, if, it, in golf, uh, for many years, uh, they Tiger Woods was at the top of the game and and sort of leading the charge and, and building interest by the public. And if if pool is ever to become a, a larger sport within the mainstream, uh, we need a, a superstars, and an American superstar would certainly uh, help the cause. And uh, so we have one right now. Uh, he's and he's only 31, so the the uh, he looks good for many many years to come. So we we have our our resident superstar to uh, to help uh, build the sport. So. Um, I um that's just another uh, reason for my optimism about pool but uh I don't really need that much because I I personally feel like pool is is the ultimate uh, blend of of the physical and the mental and uh I think it's really an ideal game for for any age I I I like it as a sport for those from 9 to 90 and uh I think that any any uh, portion of our demographic uh, could benefit from being a, a pool player. I absolutely agree. I, I think that there's something that everyone can take away from learning pool. It's and it's certainly not always uh, not always is approachable to some, you know, to to everyone. But I think that it it has positive aspects that almost anyone can can get benefits from well i just to to carry that on without for just a brief moment i i think 
younger players. It can teach them uh, certain uh, ideal characteristics of self-reliance and critical thinking and and sportsmanship and and uh, decision making. So I think it, it offers a good training ground for not just for itself but for life. For your middle-aged person who who may not have a lot of time to do other things, I think pool is is great. Uh, uh, for those who, who need a little bit of escape and want to play something, whether it's for 20 minutes or two or three hours, uh, I think it's it's ideal for them. And then for older people, uh, pool is is actually great for your body and mind, and it can help uh, stave off the effects of aging just by simply playing, using your mind, moving your body, and whatever. It's, it's great for older people as well. So I think uh, all three major segments of our population uh, can benefit from playing pool. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And that I think that's one of the biggest appeals is that almost anyone can play it. And it is so challenging that you can really never get bored playing pool. I, uh, I've been at it for, well, I'm going to give my age away here a little bit. But I've been at it for 46 years, and, and I'm just ex- as excited about it as I've ever been. As a matter of fact, uh, my routine every day starts uh, with brainstorming about pool, and that usually lasts about two hours. And so I'm I'm thinking about pool every day, and, and I just enjoy it. So uh, it to me, it, it's just an endless uh, challenge and opportunity to, to learn new things. Well, I will say that your enthusiasm and, and passion and certainly your all-around dedication is very inspiring to me, and I really do appreciate everything that you've contributed to the sport. Well, I thank you uh, so much, Allison, for that. Oh, and before we go, I, I do want to thank a couple people here real quick. I'd like to thank uh, Pat Fleming at AccuStats, uh, who is made his library of uh, DVDs available, and uh, my longtime uh, assistant, Janet Tedesco, who who does my uh, layouts of my books and the diagrams, uh, Todd Fleetman, who who uh, we discuss uh, pool theory from time to time and when I'm doing a book, and he's exceptionally knowledgeable about the game. And then on this latest project, uh, Jonathan Meltzer uh, was my proofreader, and he did a terrific job and and uh, came to New York recently and I, would, I gave him some lessons and that was a real treat to work on uh, his game with him. So anyway, those are some people I wanted to thank. And I want to thank you and Jerry for all you do for Pool and for having me on the show. I appreciate that very much. And for everyone out there listening who may be interested in buying one of your books, where is the best way uh, that they can access them? Well, I, I do have a website called billiardspress.com, and uh, the books are also sold at, at many of the the uh, leading uh, retailers and some pool rooms. So uh, billiardspress.com uh, is one place to go, or you can check out uh, local retailers or other websites or whatever. Amazon? Yeah, Amazon, they're there. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps things up. I once again, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and it's uh, it's always a pleasure to learn more of your insight and perspective into the game. And I'm looking forward to 
seeing what the next year has to bring. We've got 2015 right on right on deck. Yes, we do, and I couldn't be more excited about this uh, upcoming year. As I say, I've, I've done a lot of research, and I have some things that I I plan to be uh, bringing out in the, in the new year, and so I just couldn't be more excited about the upcoming uh, year and all it has to bring. So, uh, again, thank you, and uh, I look forward to our next adventure. All right, sounds great. So, And I want to thank everyone out there for listening and tuning in. I'm Allison Fisher signing off for Pool on the Grind here on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. Searching long time to waste playing.